Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, if you have your Bibles to Mark 16, we're going to pick up there. And uh, we were thinking this week as we look at the end of Mark 16, have you ever been watching a movie and uh, you're waiting for that movie to finally make sense? I mean, you've watched it. Halfway through, you think, I should give up on this movie. But halfway through, you think, it's going to make sense pretty soon. And then all of a sudden, it gets to the end, and the credits start rolling, and you say, it can't end like this. It doesn't make any sense. And I'll tell Anita, quick, look it up on Google. Find out what this movie's all about, because I have no idea. So Tuesday... uh, when every Tuesday we have uh, a question on our Father's House Facebook page. If you've not gone to the Father's House Facebook page and liked us, please do that. And then on Tuesdays we have a question called Tell Me Tuesday. So we ask the question, what movie have you watched that you felt like it just can't end this way? Amanda said, Gone Girl. So it's a great movie, but at the end I was like, but wait. What happens next? What happens next? Uh, some, and uh, uh, Tanya said, Avengers Infinity War. I knew there would be a part two, but I still needed more. Plus, I had to wait a long time for that. Andrea said, Titanic. Titanic. Because there was more than enough room on that door just saying Tim said, yeah, I was so mad, I watched the movie 150 times three hours, and he didn't pop back up out of the water. Yeah, right, somebody said, said, hold on, Jack. Nope, he was screaming, I was screaming, pull him up, can't end this way. Chris put the uh, Sopranos. Tim said, Miami Vice, does Crockett ever see Isabella again? Uh, Just so many. And Lisa said, Steel Magnolias, Shelby dies. It's not supposed to end that way. Pearl Harbor was not supposed to, you know, uh, he was not supposed to die. And then Ben Affleck gets the happy ending. Not fair. And then Sean says, a quiet place. It can't end this way. I'm sure we've all seen those. And when we think about that phrase, it can't end this way, or today's teaching, when the end is not the end. That's the real answer today. The end is not always the end, what you see. And I think that that when we think about the crucifixion and the resurrection, we think that on that day, on Friday, when Jesus was crucified, when he was beaten, when all of that went through, I believe the disciples must have felt the same way. It can't end like this. Even though he's told them, that's what I'm going to do. They left fearful, afraid. They ran back to fishing. They were hiding behind four walls. And it was like, it can't end this way. But we know today when we look back on the passage in the Bible that it doesn't end that way, does it? Because the end is not always the end. So I'd like for you to look with me to Mark chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading verses 1 through 8. If you want to follow along with me in your Bible or on the screen or in your notes, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. 
Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll the stone away from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Read it with me out loud. He is risen. He is not here. And so he said, see the place where they laid him. Now, go tell his disciples, oh, and Peter, that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And he said to you, uh, as he said to you, and they went out quickly, and they fled from the tomb, for they trembled, were amazed, and they said, what? To anyone. Supposed to, it's not supposed to end like that, is it? Most scholars, Bible scholars, believe that verse 8 is the last verse in Mark's authorship of this book. And if that's true, Mark leaves us hanging with grief and fear. I mean, he leaves me frustrated and unsatisfied. How could they not tell anybody and, and stay where they are? Well, now, we know the rest of the story, and we know it didn't end that way. Now, if you look at the bottom of your notes in the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, it, it tells you that verses 9 through 20, would you look at that in the very bottom of your study Bible? If you don't have a Spirit-Filled Study Bible, you need to get one because it's full of a lot of helps that will help you. So at the very bottom of that, it says the verses 9 through 20. Many scholars question the authenticity of verses 9 through 20, primarily because of the omission of these verses in some of the earliest manuscripts and because their style is somewhat different from the rest of Mark. However, the Christian writers of the second century, such as Justin Martyr, Arrhenius, Titation testify to the inclusion of these verses and the earliest translations such as Latin, Syriac, and Coptic all included them. In any case, the passage does not reflect the experience and the expectation of the early church considering the practice of charismatic gifts and the question of its authenticity should remain open. So I just bring that up to you because some of you read the Bible in the NIV or the New Living Translation or some of the others, and I don't want you just to be misled and think, well, you just got to throw the rest of that out. Uh, and sometimes people say, well, if it ended at verse 8, why did it end like that? Why didn't John Mark give it a good ending? Well, remember, John Mark's gospel was the first gospel. He was concerned about actions, actions, action, action. Remember the beginning when we started weeks ago? It very, started very abruptly. It didn't have the birth narrative. It just had Jesus came to Galilee and he started ministering. So why wouldn't we expect that John Mark would end it the same way? Jesus says, go be, I want you to go to Galilee where this all started because there's something for you to continue to do. So maybe that was one of the things. Or maybe John Mark got martyred before he finished it. Maybe part of it was lost or damaged, or he intentionally left it that way. In fact, when you read the literal Greek of verse 8, it's translated like this. Look at it. And going out, they fled from the tomb, 
for fear and trembling seized them. And they said nothing to nobody, and they were afraid for ellipsis. This is a grammar teacher's nightmare. Mark ends in a double negative in the Greek on a dangling preposition and with ellipsis. What is he saying? I believe he's saying, there's no way you're going to read my gospel and remain passive. It's not just a history book for you to read, but it's an action now. How many will fulfill the dot, 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 and they'll say, I'm going into Galilee, into the world, and when I go, I'll know I'll see the resurrected Jesus, and he'll make a change in my life. Now, remember, if you don't remember anything else about what I just said, remember this, that regardless of who the author or the authors of the Gospel of Mark would be, God is the ultimate author. Through the Holy Spirit, he moved on the hands of authors to write what he wanted in the Scripture. So I'm going to tell you today that the Gospel of Mark is a complete, authentic Scripture, inerrant, and infallible, and you can trust it because there's nothing in there that would say that there's any untruth. So, regardless if Mark ends it there or in the second century they added to it to bring clarity, I want to learn some lessons from this today because it can't end like this. It can't end with verse 8 with them saying they're afraid, they run, and they don't tell anybody because we know that's not true, right? So what can we learn from this? Number one, don't put a period where God places a comma. I know I've said that before, but I thought it would be great to say it again. Say it with me. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. Jesus has been dead now for three days, according to the Jewish way of counting scripture, accounting days. Remember, Jesus told them over and over and over, for this reason I came. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to Jerusalem. They will beat me. They will crucify me. They'll hang me on a cross. But on the third day, I'll rise again and again. For this is the reason I came. I'm going to die for the sins of many. Before God created the foundation of the earth, he already had sent me in his mind and in his thoughts to die for the sins of all people. And so, but he said, on the third day, I will rise again. But where are they? Even when the ladies are going to the tomb, they're not going with an expectancy that the tomb is going to be empty. They're saying, we're going to go and we're going to anoint his body. We're going to take this perfume and anoint his body. Anointing his body would sort of be like, it's showing honor and love. It's like when you would uh, take flowers to somebody's grave. It was giving them honor. So they weren't going in anticipation that his tomb would be empty, but they were going with the thought that it's over. So here's what it was. The disciples and the ladies were saying this. He is dead. He is in the tomb, period. But God was saying, he died, comma, he will resurrect. He will resurrect. So the Spice Girls had this kind of inner strength <laughs> that would enable them in the midst of their disappointment, to go to the place where their dream died and do the best they could do. They went to the place 
where their dream died. Jesus came, he taught, they loved him, they walked with him. But now they think the dream that we had of this revolutionary Jesus, he's dead. So what did they do? They went to the place where their dream died. Boy, that's a word for some of you that are in this house today and some of you that are watching online. When I said dream died, you knew exactly what I was talking about because there's things in your life, there's words and promises that God has given you and because that it's lingered out, you believe that it's dead. God sent me to tell you this morning, you need to go to the place where you think your dream has died, and when you go there, you're going to find a change. You're going to see something different than what you thought. If you believe that today, give him a hand clap. Say amen. They were faced with a problem that they couldn't answer. So, I mean, they're on their way. John tells us that they left in the dark. But then by the time they got to the tomb, it was daylight. Uh, you see, sometimes when we start off in life, we're just walking in the dark. Some of you today came that way. You're saying, I don't know what's going to happen beyond today, but I really felt like I was supposed to come today. I felt like for some reason... I was supposed to come to church today. I can't tell you what's beyond that. I, I only know that I've taken one step, and it's in the dark, but I believe it's the right step to take. So these ladies started out in the morning, and it was dark. And as they're going along, they all of a sudden remember this. There's a huge stone that's rolled in front of the tomb. Probably, in all estimations, it weighed about a ton. And in verse 3... And they said among themselves, who's going to roll the stone from the door of the tomb? You see, God only expects us to do what we can do. When God says, I want you to begin walking, then we've got to anticipate if he wants me to walk, that when he gets me to the place that he wants me, he will already have the answer. So my question to you today is, what's that stone? What's that insurmountable thing that you're looking at? And you can say, you say, you know, God can do this, and he's done this in my life, and he's done this in my life. But Terry, this thing. I've been praying about this thing for my whole life. I've been struggling my whole life with this one thing. And it seems like I can never get rid of it. And there it is. It's just, it, it's just, there's just no way. Who will be able to roll this stone away? I don't know what that may be for you. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's just the history of your life. You've been up and down, up and down, in and out. Or maybe it's these constant thoughts, these, these evil thoughts of, of, of hurting yourself and, and hurting your life or, or whatever it is. And maybe you feel today, you know, I'm at the end. 
I'm at the end. Terry, I've tried everything, every prayer. I've been to celebrate recovery. That's a good place to be on Monday nights, right? You have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I've been to every counselor I know. I've been to Dwight. I've been to this one. I've been to something else. But it seems like in this one area, this stone is too big, and I don't believe this stone will ever be rolled away. But you know what? I'm walking in the dark. I'm walking in the dark to where my dream died. I'm walking in the dark to where I feel like that God wants me to go. Now, the Bible doesn't say that the ladies felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to go to the tomb. But they just felt like it was the right thing to do. See, some of you are here today not because you have a word from the Lord. Thus says the Lord. But you came today because you felt it was the right thing to do. You're watching online because you felt like it was the right thing to do. You can't see beyond right now. You can't see. You can't even believe that that stone could roll away. But you know what? You took a step in the dark. You took a step. I, I find that God does some of his greatest miracles in the dark. You ever notice that? And when we, think, when we think that nothing is working, he does some of his greatest work. So maybe you're here today and you're at the uh, end of, your, uh, of all hope. And nothing is turning out the way that you want. And your life is miserable and you're hopeless and you're discouraged. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. So the next thing I learned from this, look. It says that they, verse 4, and they looked up. Say looked up. When they saw the stone, and they saw the stone been rolled away, for it was large. So the second thing we need to do is learn to look up. Number one, don't put a period where God put a comma. And number two, learn to look up. What they were worried about was already answered. I don't know if you're this way, but if I'm really worried about something, if something is really on my mind, what's usually the posture of our head? Down, right? I mean, you're at work, and you, you, people can see it, right? They can see when we're worried. And they'll say things like, hey, what's wrong? What, what's, you, you just seem to be preoccupied. You seem to be worried. And we put on our Jesus face often, right? Oh, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. Just life. Just life. Wouldn't it be great if on a day like that you would have enough trust to say, all hell is broken loose in my life, and I don't know what to do. I'm facing odds that are against me. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see how many people, instead of trying to fix you at that moment, would just wrap their arms around you and say, you know what? I've been in a place like that. I can't identify where you are, but I know I was there, and God brought me through. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could just take time to be honest? You see, when I look at this, they looked up. You see, what, what they thought they couldn't get through was already finished. I'm here to tell somebody today what you thought you couldn't get through. Jesus is already on the other side of that, and he's already doing some of his greatest work for you. God does some of his greatest work in the dark. Some of you right now in the dark saying it can't end this way. It can't end this way with my kids lost. It can't end this way with my marriage on the rocks. It can't end this way with my spouse unsaved. It can't end this way in, in the midst of all of this. Listen, I know. I'm with you. It can't end that way because Jesus still is the resurrection and the life. 
God just simply says, when you do what you can do, I'll do what you can't do if you trust me. Wow. So you're walking. I have a word for you today. Your angel is already on the way. So don't stress about it. Don't turn around and go home. I believe God is working right now on what you are worried about. When I typed that, when I wrote that, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, that's right. And some of you felt it when I said it. What you've been worrying about, what you've been worrying about, God has already been working. Let me share what he said. I have already sent a miracle in motion in their life. For what they're struggling with, I've already sent that miracle. So look up. Look up. You came in here today, and if you didn't look up in that first set of songs, something's wrong with your looker, right? Man, didn't the worship, wasn't that great? I'm telling you, that was unbelievable. And I don't believe I'll ever hear how great thou art any better, right? I mean, you could just sense that. Didn't you want, didn't you want to just kind of sing that the rest of the day? I wanted to say, run the video, let's sing that a few more times, and let's go eat ham, whatever you're going to eat. I don't know. Number three, expect revelation. Don't put a period where God places a comma. Learn to look up. Look at your neighbor and say, look up. You've been looking down too long. I just just got to hold there a minute. Somebody's looking down and you think, I'm not worthy to look up. He can do it for everybody else. You've been told all of your life, no, I'm not working. It won't happen. It won't happen. It can't be. I'm just going to say, why don't you just throw caution to the wind and say, you know what? I don't give a flying fig. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up in Jesus' name, and I'm going to believe that that's what he wants me to do, all right? Just look up a little bit. Say, yeah, Lord, I got you. I'm looking up today. Expect revelation. Verse 6, and he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? Catch this. Write this, write this down. When your expectation doesn't line up with your situation, when your expectation doesn't line up with your situation, get ready for a revelation of who he is. When your expectation does not line up with your situation, get ready for a revelation of who he is. Not just what he does, but for who he is. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I do resurrections. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Dead stuff wakes up around him. Dreams come back to life around him. So I know some of you have questions. Okay, if this is true, then why do I keep struggling? Why me? I've tried to pray. I've tried to answer, but nothing has happened. I don't know. I wish I could tell you I knew. Sometimes we just have to say, I don't know. But I, knew, I know this, God is faithful. I know God is faithful. And it can't end like this. It can't end like this. 
That doesn't mean that you'll always get out of the trouble you're in, but it means that all of a sudden you'll realize who he is more than what he does. You see, when I went through, my, when I went through the crisis of my life and I lost everything because of somebody else's decision, when I lost everything there was to lose, when I lost it all, the Lord spoke to me and he said this, If you never preach again, will you still love me? If you never hit behind a pulpit again, will you still love me? And I said, but God, that's what you call me to do. That's who you call me. That's what I'm supposed to do. You see, so often we focus more on the do than who he is. We need a revelation. After weeks, after weeks, after weeks of struggling with that, I can tell you, it was in the middle of the night. I can remember just like right now. I can smell the fragrance in the room. And I said to him, if I never preach again, If you never restore anything that the enemy has taken away, here's what I'll do. I will love you, and I will serve you. You see what I discovered? He became my best friend. See, so many of you are wanting him to get out of your scrapes. You wanted him to get get you out of his troubles. And I'm not saying that he won't. But I'm saying the greatest revelation that you can ever get is this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I might have agony. I might have difficulty. I might have sickness. I may have all of those. And I don't believe any of that's God's will for us. But I'm telling you this. One of these days when I lay my head down and I close my eyes, my life will only begin living then. And the revelation that I have of him will carry me through all eternity. Begin a revelation of who he is, not just what he does. And I know some of you will face the rest of your life people saying the resurrection is not true. <laughs> the resurrection is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Other religions have great philosophers, great thoughts, but Christianity is the only one that has the proof. You say, well, I don't believe the resurrection. You see, the issue is that we have so many people that are like armchair quarterbacks. You know, this little thing here, gives everybody lots of ability, right? So you post on the post, Happy Easter. And then some narrow-minded jerk says, but it's not. Easter is a pagan holiday. I know, I know the roots. But can you imagine saying to somebody in the world, trying to reach the world, Happy Resurrection. Yesterday while I was studying, I thought, I wonder what kind of music is resurrection music. So I said, what's her name? Alexa. (laughs) Sorry. Play me resurrection music. I mean, the most God-awful, head-banging, yelling, screaming started playing. And I said, Alexa, stop. Play Dottie Rambo. (laughs) A lot of you don't even know who that is. But I thought, now just think. If we said, hey, just come and celebrate resurrection with us. Oh, the resurrection band is going to be at the Father's house. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) We're smart enough to know that Easter is not about the Easter bunny. 
We're smart enough to know that Christmas is not about Santa Claus. But to reach a world that is out there, we've got to use vernacular and words that they will understand and get them in. But then we have these people that will simply say, well, that's not right. You know what I did? Delete. That's my power to delete. I'm not going to get in an argument with you. I'm not going to say, well, let me tell you the historical significance of what we're doing and what Easter really means and how you can do that. No, I just go, delete. Sorry. Take that up with me later. But I won't answer. I'll go, delete. Resurrection is the validation of the truth of Christianity. Look at these. I want, you to, I want you to put these things in your Bible somewhere where you've got them. No one in the first century denied the historical resurrection of Jesus. No writer in the first century denied the resurrection of Jesus. So if you're going to believe or not believe in the resurrection, you need to go back to the origin. You need to go back to the beginning. Were there first century authors that denied the resurrection? None. We can't find none. So don't tell me what somebody wrote in 1950 or 1960. I want to go back to the original, back to the beginning, and nobody denied the resurrection of Jesus. Second of all, for 40 days, crowds saw him, talked to him, ate with him, touched him after he arose. Remember the scripture said that he led captive captive, and people that were dead came back to life and walked among the people. You know who they were? They were the ones who died in faith, and now for 40 days, they're stuck in transition between earth and heaven. But after 40 days, the Lord's going to take them with him to be with him forever and ever and ever. And so for 40 days, historical, well, there's Uncle Ned. I thought you died. I mean, look at the change of the disciples. There's other proofs there. The fact that 52 days later in Jerusalem, no one denied the resurrection when Peter preached it. And then later, years later, Paul spoke to Felix and Festus about the resurrection. And they didn't deny it. Felix and Festus said, no, you lie. You lie, Paul. There's no resurrection. It was a given. So how in the world do we let the world and people that, that have no understanding, no idea what happened in the first century tell us that the resurrection didn't happen? I'm going to tell you, the resurrection happened. He is alive and well. He is at the Father's right hand ever making intercession for us. And there's coming a time soon that he'll split the eastern skies and he'll call his people to go home with him. And then he'll bring us back to a new heaven and a new earth the way it's supposed to be. That's a good place to yay God, right? there. What is it for you that you're saying it can't end this way? Would you like to hear the, a story of, uh, of someone that was like, I mean, beyond all hope and hope and hope and how that God redeemed them and what you saw couldn't end that way? I want you to watch this story of Morgan and Amanda Bradford. Watch this. By the time I was 14 years old, I was direct filed as an adult and sentenced to Dozier School for Boys. Um, I just kept getting in trouble all through the years. And by the time I was 35 years old, I uh, accumulated an e-letter, which is six times in the Florida Department of Corrections. I got involved with, with trafficking everything from guns to you know, drugs to stolen property. And, and I was just, it was just uh, chaos all the time. And, you know, and 
I would never make it more than you know a year, year and a half on the street, and then I'd be locked back up, and it was just a, a, a vicious cycle. Me and his mom had did a lot of praying, and you know she stuck by his side, and we did everything we could for him, and we just had to hop in the passenger seat, let God take over, and just pray and believe. While I was in Florida State Prison, I was in confinement and I uh, kept having dreams, dreams that I had read a certain verse in the Bible. And after I, the second time that I had dreamt it, I had actually read it and it was like that I had already wrote, read it and it was Deuteronomy 28. And it was just about choosing blessings or curses for your life. And, uh, and I was at the point to where, you know, I was already labeled a career criminal. And uh, I just made a decision to, to follow God at that point because he had made himself real to me in numerous situations. So I wrote him this letter. I'm excited for you and our family. I imagine us taking the kids everywhere. Vacations, Disney, oh, I just can't wait. I have so much faith in you. You are a great man of God with a huge heart. I truly love you, and I promise to be that backbone that you need as well. So I've been out for four years now, and with that decision, I just have to keep renewing my mind every day. You know, it's a constant battle to, to renew your mind because we're all scoundrels, you know, at the end of the day. And then, you know, since I've, I've been home, I just, you know, I put into practice, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it states that, you know, that, that, that no temptations uh, uncommon to man, it's all common to us, but, you know, God's faithful if you go to him and uh, to find a way of escape, you know, out of that temptation. So I put that into practice and I, you know, I just stay in the word and I stay praying constantly. I constantly pray and constantly renew my mind. When I get that stinking thinking, I just, you know, I, I renew my mind, you know, and now it's kind of like habit. Never give up hope. Um, I was an addict, I was on meth for 10 years, and I quit cold turkey when I started coming to this church. So by God's grace, he changed me. I've been out the longest I've been since I was 12 years old. You know, I've been out for four years now. Um, since then, I've started my own company. You know, I'm a state certified electrical contractor now, and I've had my company for about two years, so. And God just continues to bless us. You know, you got to lace up with the with the armor of Christ every day. You know, and because temptations everywhere, and we're in a, a, a real spiritual warfare. You know, so um, just apply life to the to the Scripture and and constantly pray, never cease praying. <clears throat> Did you catch that? Apply life to the scripture. Did you catch her? Ten years, a meth addict. Started coming to church and quit cold turkey. Tim, you're a counselor. How's that happen? That doesn't happen, Michael, does it? There's just no way. It can't end like this. No matter where you are today, it can't end like this. Last thing from this passage I want you to see is simply this. You need to take your next step. You need to take your next step. You need to complete the gospel with your life. Verse 7 says, But go, tell his disciples, 
and especially Peter, because Peter's really down on himself and feels like that he's gone too far. Tell them that he's going before you into Galilee. Going before you there is, is the Greek uh, for proago, which means like a commander leading troops forward, making an advance. In other words, he's saying, I don't want you to go back to where you were. I don't want you to go back to that place, but I want you to go forward. I want you to go to Galilee because in Galilee, you're going to see the physical Jesus. In Galilee, you're going to see him as he is. Failure is not the end, but it's the hinge on which the doors of God's grace swings wide open for you to experience his resurrection power. Easter Sunday resurrection, another word for that is salvation. Without the resurrection, we're all dead. And the longer we're dead, the more decay that we have. Some of you are dead in your sins. And you've been decaying and decaying and decaying. Almost today you smell the fragrance as the Holy Spirit has let you. The fragrance of your life. It just, it just, it just stinks. Because you're spiritually dead and you're decaying. But God's love so moved him that he came to us. He doesn't ask you to come to him today. He says, I'm going to come to you where you are. Because there's no way you could get to him. There's no way. So he comes to you. The book of Romans said, just at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He stepped into my humanity with his divinity. When he got to the tomb where Lazarus was dead, what did he do? He wept. And I believe in the Spirit. That's what Jesus is doing for some of you today. You are dead in your sin. Your sin has separated you and alienated you from God. And when he looks at you, he weeps. When he came into Jerusalem, he looked over the city. And what did he say? He wept over the city. And he said, how long have I tried to draw you to me? How long have I tried to draw you to me? He wept. On the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, it was not like, oh, just going to give up. No. It's for the reason that he came. To take your sins and my sins. So that spiritual, so he could trade places with us. Consider, he rode into Jerusalem on a little donkey that wasn't his. They put him on a tree that wasn't his. They put him in a borrowed tomb that was not his. And he died for sins that were not his. Why? So that he could get everything back that was his. You know what that is? You and me. He wanted us to come back to him and live life, not death. Amen? So today, if you put your trust in him, he's going to accept you. I love, I, I love that little phrase. Go tell them that I'm alive and the dreams are not dead. And especially tell Peter. 
Because he feels like he's unworthy. If you'd have gone to Peter before that day, he'd have said, yeah, Jesus can do everything for everybody else, but not me. I'm going back to fishing. Uh, there's just no way. Jesus was saying, especially tell Peter, because in about 40, 50 days, I'm going to need him to preach a sermon like he's never preached before. So I want you to tell him to get the fishing out of his lungs, get the fishing out of his blood, because I'm about to change his life. I'm here to tell you, somebody today, you were drug in here, you were bribed, you didn't want to be here, you don't know why you're here. I'm going to tell you why you're here, because God wanted me to tell you that you are the end, Peter. He sent me to tell you that you feel like that you've gone too far, and he's saying to you, nope. I'm ready to roll the stone away. I'm ready to give you life everlasting and everlasting. But you say, but yeah, but Terry, man, I've tried to believe. I've tried to believe that it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. You ever notice how God sometimes doesn't show up on our time? Anybody besides me? I've come to realize this. God specializes in overtime events. And you know what? He's never lost an overtime game because it can't end like this when he is the resurrection and the life. Amen, 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 amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you've come today and you know that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Nobody has to tell you that. See, my words can't talk you into anything. It's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you just now. And he's speaking to someone right now and he's saying, you need me. You're living in death, and you're decaying. You tried to negotiate with me, but he says today, I don't do negotiations. I do surrenders. So there are those of you that are here today and some of you that are watching online that this is a day on God's schedule that he has ordained for you to surrender your life totally to him. I give up Jesus for whatever you want to do, for whatever you want to do. If you never get, get me out of this, if you've never answered my prayers, I'm going to serve you with all of my heart because I know you are the Lord and my Savior. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You say, Terry, I want you to include me in this prayer today. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. It's just kind of strange. I feel like the Lord is calling me and Maybe you've gone to church all of your life, but you never remember a time when you've surrendered your life to Jesus. In just a minute, I'm going to count to three, and when I come to three, I want you to just raise your hand up as high as you can and make eye contact with me and keep it up there. I know some of you already are folding your hands because you don't want your hand to go up. But you know what? You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And this is your day. This is your day. One, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't worry about what somebody else is going to think, but when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand just as quickly as you can. Two, 
Today is the day. You know it's the day. You know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Three, would you raise your hand just as quick as you can? Come on right now. Hold them up. Hands going up all over this morning. Hold them up high. Say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Over here, 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 here. Over here, back here. Come on, keep them up. Come on, church, celebrate. Look at the hands this morning. All over this morning. Come on, keep your hands up. Those of you that are watching online, come on, celebrate, church. This is changing eternities today. Now let me lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender your heart. And we'll all just pray together in this, those of you that are watching online and those of you that are here. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. And on the third day, he arose. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.